Success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And oh my gosh, do I have an invincible one to introduce to you today. Rachel Fryman is the CEO of MindStrong Fitness, a lover of lifting heavy things up and down and a coach passionate about helping others unleash their strongest, most empowered selves through education and mindset training. Rachel has more than 15 years of classroom instruction and certifications in personal training, sports nutrition, and behavior modification. She's the author of the best-selling book, Becoming MindStrong, the truth about health, fitness, and the BS that's holding you back. Rachel developed MindStrong Fitness with an inside-out approach to focus on both physical and mental attributes in building healthy, sustainable habits. When she's not in the gym, Rachel enjoys exploring the world, snuggling with her puppy, Charlie, eating, and thinking about the next time she will be eating. And she is my new best friend. I'm excited to introduce you to Rachel Fryman. Rachel, welcome to the She's Invincible podcast. So, so excited to have you with us today. Oh, thank you so much. I got to tell you that I feed off energy. So I am so excited about this conversation because you and I are kindred spirits. I can feel it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think the same thing. I mean, all you had to say was never diet again. And I'm like, I'm like a puppy right at the end of your feet. (laughs) Speak to me, speak to me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I am excited to have you here and share you with our listeners. So let's jump in. Let's tell our listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what makes you invincible oh man my background when i tell people the story of my background they they kind of feel like they're reading four different books that got smushed together (laughs) because what i'm doing in the world now on the surface is so wildly different than where i started but i think like most women when you look back there's a common theme connecting it right sure I started out as a jazz musician. My entire background, high school, college, master's degree was all in jazz performance. That's that's who I was. That's what I lived and breathed for the vast majority of my life. And, you know, it, it's a fun life. It's a, it's a great way to meet new people, to make people feel good. But staying at jazz clubs till, till five in the morning is a lot of fun in your early 20s. <laughs> and then you grow up and it starts taking a toll. So I eventually moved to Florida. I started teaching middle school music and I loved it. I thought I was going to be a middle school teacher. I say that to people and they cringe, but I loved it. I thought I would do this for the rest of my life because middle school is such an awkward time, right? You get to get in there and help shape these kids into really good humans. So much like the way I look at fitness, it's less about the content and more about the impact you're having on, on lives. Middle school teaching is also a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of, so my, my term was woo-saw. Let me take a deep breath and, <laughs> you know, bring myself together. So I started going to the gym just for my own release. I would put in 12 hour days of teaching. It was, it was a lot of those deep breaths. And so this was just my way to let off steam at the end of the day. And what started to happen very organically is that my body started looking different. My energy skyrocketed. The way that I showed up at school was night and day because I was just stepping into my power. And other female teachers would come up to me and say things like, you know, I wish I could do what you're doing, but I'm scared of the gym. I feel intimidated. I don't know what to do. So I was like, listen, I'm going to the gym anyway after work. Just just come with me. And I always tell this story like there, there was a bit of selfishness to this. Because the feedback that I heard from those women were things like, 
I've avoided mirrors for 10 years. And now I find myself catching a glimpse of my booty or maybe doing a little bicep flex, right? <laughs> I used to cringe when my partner touched me thinking they might feel a role. And now I feel sexy for the first time. And selfishly, I was like, well, this is what I want to be doing with my life. I want to help every woman feel like this. Yeah. And it became a very organic process where, you know, I didn't jump full time into my business. I was still teaching 12 hour days. I started this little side hustle. And what I found is that my superpower within the fitness world was my education background. This is an industry that is just inundated with BS shakes and point systems and things that, as we'll talk about today, fight against your human nature and are not designed to be sustainable. So as an educator, when I learned what I now call capital T truth, that that this is a skill when you do it the right way, and I'm purposely saying the right way, that what the industry is missing is someone who's not a trainer, who's not selling point systems, but who's here to educate. I always joke, I have the worst sales pitch in the world because you only need me once. <laughs> like, let me teach you the skill and you have it. And because of that different approach, it works. It's math, it's science, it's biology, it's psychology, it works. And my business just started growing, growing, growing until the time came to, to make that leap and do it full time. I love it. Oh my gosh. And I can't wait to hear about your secrets too to this because <laughs> they, I know they're life-changing. I know people who have used them who have had great success. So Oh, so fun. So fun. So tell us what makes you invincible. I really believe in this. You know, it sounds a little cliche, a little cheesy, but there is a very real truth to what it means to step into your power and step into your power has a couple components for me. Number one, it means the energy with which you show up in the world. Right. And this, I mean, even within what we teach our clients in the context of health and fitness, this isn't about wearing a t-shirt that says I lost X number of pounds or I weigh X number, right? Who had the energy with which you show up is everything. It's what our kids absorb. It's what the people around us absorb. Your energy is the single most important thing that you have. So for me, because I put in the work nutritionally, workout wise, mentally, especially because mental energy is the biggest toll taker. I can go through life with an energy that attracts instead of repels. And with that, comes a confidence in yourself that, you know, I've built this very successful business and I live and breathe and love what I do every day. And if for some reason it fell tomorrow, it would suck and I would mourn it. And then I would get back up and I would do it again. Because when, to me, when you truly feel invincible, it's that you know what you are capable of. You know the energy you're putting out in this world and there is nothing external that can take that away from you. Oh my gosh. I love that. I, you're probably the first one who said energy too. So I love it. <laughs> oh my everything. gosh. It is. I agree a hundred percent. Wow. Okay. Well, we're ready. We're jumping in now. Let's talk about how to never diet again. Yes. All right. So the answer to this question, it, it, it's a bit of a longer answer than you might bargain for, because we need to talk a bit about human psychology. So these are not Rachel's laws of health and fitness. This is what I call human psychology 101 and 102. Most of us have heard of Freud before, and Freud discovered something called the pleasure principle. Very simply put, the pleasure principle states that as human beings, we are designed to avoid pain and seek pleasure. First and foremost, it's to avoid pain. So some pain is more obvious, right? Physical pain, you touch a hot stove, unless you're actively training to be a Navy SEAL, you're going to jerk your hand away. But there's other types of pain and a huge part of pain is discomfort. So what we need to understand first and foremost, before I teach you how to actually never diet again, we need to wipe the slate clean. We need to forgive our past selves. And that's not some cheesy hokey statement, but we need to understand that the entire diet industry is designed in a way that is literally fighting against your human nature because you are living in a state of discomfort. So we, I mean, name your diet, shake systems, point systems, frozen meals, cutting out carbs, low fat. When we go on any type of quote unquote diet, we're putting horse blinders on and we're telling ourselves what we can or can't do. So what we're doing is we're forcing ourselves to live in a state of restriction. We are literally fighting against our human nature, according to the pleasure principle. Mm. The other part of, part of psychology this taps into is something called reactance. So in psychology, there's a term called reactance. 
And I always relate this back to my middle school students. You know, middle schoolers get a bad rap that you tell them what not to do and they want to do it 10 times more, right? (laughs) We never grow out of that because that's human nature. So my favorite example is, you know, if I say to you right now, think about anything in the universe, anything you want, but do not think about a blue elephant balanced on a pink ball. Where does your brain go? Right. And it's not just that it goes there. Now you can't get it out of your head. And that's reactance at work. The second we say we can't, we should, we must, we mustn't, we want to do it 10 times more because that's human nature. So again, we go on these diets, we put our horse blinders on, we say carbs are the devil. I can't eat carbs, no carbs, no carbs. Now we just find ourselves consumed with the thought of how much we want carbs, right? Listen, I'm dreaming about pasta when that happens. (laughs) (laughs) And then we don't just cave. We don't just, okay, well, I'll have a plate of pasta. When we cave, we binge because we've been spending so long in a state of restriction fighting against our human nature. So pun, nutrition pun intended, when we fully digest those facts, we can wipe the slate clean. We can say, okay, you know what? Every diet in my book, we actually go through an exercise where we list every diet we've ever tried. For some women, that's five. For some women, that's 500. But we see at their core, they were just different versions of the same diet. They were all based off trying to live in a state of restriction, and it's never going to be sustainable. So what we do is it it is not a diet. It is not a shake system. It's a skill. And as I said before, you know, the worst sales pitch in the world, you only need us once because you learn the skill and you have it for life and you literally never diet again. The skill is called macro tracking. And I did not invent macro tracking. Again, it's not Rachel's laws of health and fitness. We just teach it in a very sustainable, crystal clear way. So the the big bird's eye view of macro tracking is it's exactly like a financial budget, but without without all the numbers involved. If if you're someone who's like, oh, financial budget, no. (laughs) So if I hand you $100 and I say, these are your $100 to spend, spend it on whatever the heck you want. You can make a big purchase in the morning, be stingy all day. You can hoard your money all day, spend it at night. You can make little purchase, doesn't matter. It's your 100 as long as you spend it today. With macro tracking, we figure out your personal plan. So macros just mean carbs, fat, protein, the three nutrients of which we need the most, we call them macronutrients. We figure out your personal macro plan, X number of carbs, X number of fat, X number of protein. The beauty of this is there's no restriction. So anyone who knows me, and as you get to know me, this will become crystal clear. I freaking love donuts. If a gun to my head, if you told me choose a life of fitness or a life of donuts, I'm choosing donuts 10 out of 10 times. (laughs) So if I want to have a donut now and then, it's not the most nutritious choice, right? We never use the labels good food, bad food, because what what does that even mean? It's nutritious or less nutritious. Donuts are not the most nutritious foods. There's not a lot of vitamins and minerals. But if I want to spend some of my budget, and I'm putting air quotes around that, I know I'm going to spend some grams of carbs, some grams of fat on my donut, and I can still lose weight as I'm doing this. So we remove the whole fight against human nature of, I can't have this. This is bad. This is not allowed. Suddenly, it's just the power of choice. And like anything in life, relationships, business, when we step into that power of choice, that's how we take complete control. So you spend a couple of weeks, you lock in the skill of macro tracking, you learn to eat the foods you love. If you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, if you're a carnivore, if you have hypothyroidism, if you're going through menopause, it doesn't matter because your budget works for you. You eat the foods you love, you avoid the foods you hate, and you literally, it is a literal thing that you will never diet again. Oh my gosh, that sounds like a joy. Right, sold. <laughs> Magic. <laughs> so do you need to be a mathematician to, fig- to to follow these macros? I mean, I know what you do is figure uh-huh. out what you should have and what your total is. But then as far as that every day, you know, you're facing the refrigerator, like what should I eat for breakfast? Is it easy yeah. enough to follow? Not even, you don't even need to be the mo- the smallest inkling of a mathematician. If we call, I lovingly call macro tracking the nerdy game of Tetris. If you remember the, the video game Tetris where you just fit the pieces together, yes. that's what it's like to track macros. It's like, cool, I want to eat a donut today, but I also want to eat pasta. How, wh- how much of each food can I eat to make this fit into my plan? So it really becomes like this fun little fitting the pieces together game with no math involved in our, in our company, the coaches do the math part for you. Even that is very basic math, but from a daily point of view, it's playing a game. I love it. And you just mentioned something that once 
makes me remember that I want to mention this, that you work virtually, right? So yes. So you have coaches. It doesn't matter where our listeners are listening from that you can accommodate them if this is something they want to learn and find out more about. Absolutely. And we have coaches, as I referenced earlier, you know, macro tracking works for everyone. The logistics of your personal plan are personalized to you and how you like to eat. It does not matter the stage of life you're in, what what physical things are going on with you, but, and we have coaches for specific lifestyles. So if you're a woman going through menopause, your macro plan's not going to change, but you're going to have experiences that, you know, someone younger can't understand. So we have a coach that understands those life terms. We have a coach for women who have over a hundred pounds to lose that, you know, they'll look at someone like me and they're like, you know, shut the heck up, Rachel. You don't know what it's like to lose over a hundred pounds. And that journey is just going to resonate with them. So we make sure that the logistics to us are the simple part, but it's the the mental side of it. It's the journey side of it that we want someone who can fully resonate with your story. I love it. Okay. So my next thing is you mentioned this all started in the gym. So, you know, I hear these stories about 80% of what your health is happens in the kitchen. Is it true? Oh, you are going to love me for this answer. You can hit your goals without ever working out a day in your life. How about that? (laughs) I'm not only going to teach you to lose weight while eating donuts, you never have to work out. (laughs) Now, that that said, working out is great for you, right? One of the biggest indicators of life longevity is how much muscle mass you have on your body. How much muscle mass you have on your body is how you get your metabolism to run faster. It's great for your heart. It's great for your lungs. Tons of good benefits of working out. And I take that nutrition statistic, I say 90%, because at the end of the day, the reason macros work, the reason any shake system, point system, they don't work long-term, but if you've ever lost weight, there's only one way the human body can lose weight. And it's to be in what's called a caloric deficit. When you eat less calories than you burn, you lose weight. That's the holy grail. That's the secret to doing this. So exercising equals burning more calories, equals firing up your metabolism. But if all you did was get your nutrition in check and make sure that you're in that deficit, you will a thousand percent hit your goals. So when people come to us and say, you know, there's so many changes I need to make, I don't know where to start. One thousand percent of the time, our answer is start with nutrition. You're not necessarily going to move your body in a workout way every day, but you're definitely going to eat every day. So let's get some momentum going with that piece. And because we're pleasure seeking creatures, eventually we're going to say, wow, I feel incredible with these changes. What else can I do? What else can I do? And then we can add in the workout piece. I love it. And, you know, I remember seeing pictures of like a woman who weighed the same amount in both pictures, but she spent three months in the gym, right? Yes. On a, and, and then she looks different. She wears a different size. So even though maybe her weight on the scale is the same number, uh, I see the difference in her body because of the workouts in the gym. So. Absolutely. But like, let's flip the coin now. Let's talk about the the junkies, right? Who are in the gym all the time. Like I've seen women who ha- who are like fitness beasts, and they're not. You're not reaching their goals. So yeah. it what what happens on that side of it that it's like maybe you're doing more of the same thing that wasn't really working anyway. Yeah, there's a couple components to that. Number one, there is complete truth to the the saying you can't outwork a bad diet. So if you are working your booty off in the gym, but you're not in that caloric deficit, you're not going to lose the weight. The nutrition piece trumps it every single time because it is 90% of this game. The other part of it, and this is great news, if you're someone who just feels like you need to do hours of cardio a day and you don't really understand why, but that's what society says, so we do it whether we like it or not. Lean muscle mass, as I mentioned before, is how we increase our metabolism. So the the more lean muscle mass you have on your body, the faster your metabolism runs. The way that we build lean muscle mass is by pushing our muscles to do what they can't yet do through resistance training. So if you're someone that hates cardio, again, you, you don't have to technically ever do cardio in your life. And again, it's good for your lungs, it's good for your heart, but it is not a must. You don't even have to do the resistance training part, but if you want to maximize the effects that comes through that resistance training, but you only see the effects And this to go back to your question is where a lot of women do it wrong. And I'm going to purposely use the word wrong. If you're sitting there and you're using a two pound dumbbell, okay. And two pounds is too light for you. 
but you read some women's magazine that said low weight, high reps is how you, you know, build lean sculpted muscles. Well, the way muscle growth actually happens is that in the gym, you're not building muscle. It sounds super painful, but it's not. You're actually creating tiny tears in your muscle fibers. It's when you rest and recover and hydrate and eat that those muscle tears heal and your muscles grow. So this idea of low weight, high reps, if you're just sitting there doing a hundred reps with a weight that's too low, there's no way you're creating those little tears. There's no way your muscles are going to shape up. So a lot of women are scared of heavier weights because we've been led to believe it makes you bulky. Nutrition is a hundred percent what makes you quote unquote bulky. If you're lifting heavy and eating more calories than you burn, yeah, you're going to bulk up a bit. But if you're in that caloric deficit that we put you in with macros and you're lifting heavy, that's how you're going to get those lean sculpted muscles that most of us are chasing after. Mm, and that is such a story, right? That I, re I remember saying it myself. Oh, no, I'm never going to lift weights because I don't want to look like the Hulk. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. It's a misconception. <laughs> Not to worry, girls. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's so funny. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So let's say we're speaking to someone who has never stepped foot in the gym, maybe never had a weight problem all of a sudden, you know, I mean, everyone's talking about the pandemic and how a lot of people have gained 30 pounds and they called it the COVID 20, the COVID 30. Okay, <laughs> I think we're so, up to 50. <laughs> yeah. It's just no. moving up, right? No. Oh my gosh. So what would you say if someone was going to attempt, you know, obviously to get their nutrition intact, but what would you say is the one thing they could do in the gym that's going to give them the most best result if they did mm. it consistently? My, my number one piece of advice, this is the question I get asked this all the time on social media. What's your number one piece of advice for someone getting going? And the answer to that is so polar opposite of what you would expect from a coach, because my answer is to do the bare minimum. So this is, we actually do this, this exercise with our clients. It is not a thought process. It's a feeling where we actually have them close their eyes. And if you're listening right now, unless you're driving, don't do this if you're driving, <laughs> but you close your eyes, you take a deep breath and you ask yourself, what is the bare minimum that I can commit to? And what's going to happen is the second you think of it, your brain is going to come in with all the reasons it's not enough. Are you kidding me? A 20 minute walk's not going to, nope. You're going to shut that voice up. You're going to take another deep breath. What's the bare minimum I can commit to? So for some people, that'll be a 20 minute walk twice a week. For some people, that'll be doing three sets of bicep curls four times a week. It doesn't, the answer to what it is, is, is irrelevant. It's about what the bare minimum that you can feel light and excited about is for you. Now, the key is when you do it. So let's say you said 20 minute walk twice a week. When you do it, you're going to throw yourself an internal party. Like, yes, you, you are such a rock star. You said you're going to do a 20 minute walk. You did it. I'm so proud of you. All the cheesy stuff, because what's happening is our brain is releasing dopamine and all those feel good chemicals. So the next time when you don't really feel like doing it, we can stop and think, wait a second. I, you know, we're not sugarcoating. I don't feel like doing this right now, but remember how incredible I felt last time I did it. And to go back to the beginning of this conversation, because we're pleasure seeking creatures, we're not going to say, well, that felt great. I never want to do it again, right? <laughs> We're going to say that felt so good. What else can I do? What else can I do? And suddenly a 20 minute walk twice a week turns into, I wonder what it would feel like to go to the gym for 20 minutes or just buy one pair of dumbbells and do some little workouts at home. And that's how we look back six months from now and say, who am I? I've created this whole lifestyle, but I never forced it because those major life overhauls never work. We have to start with baby steps. So the answer to how to start is less about what specific exercise to do. It's always getting your nutrition first. But when it comes to movement, the answer is always to feel into that bare minimum, celebrate yourself, and then repeat, repeat, repeat. I love it. It's a head game, right? Like it's everything all else. It's a head game. <laughs> yes. I was thinking when you were saying about that celebratory feeling, I was like, that's what happens when people eat chocolate chip cookies, right? And, and then they go back to them because it's like, oh, that made me feel so good, right? Oh, we could so have a whole conversation about emotional eating. That's all it is. You were looking for an emotional state change. You're looking for your brain to release those drugs. So our key, our goal is to identify what state change we're looking for and then choose activities to swap out. 
I always joke that we're all just glorified drug addicts. Like all we're doing is walking around life looking for dopamine releases. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? It is so It's on true. social media. It's, yep. you know, where we post something and then we're looking to see who liked it. What was the comments? All it's dopamine. All the things. Oh my gosh, this is so good. <laughs> oh, I hate to even end this conversation, but I would love to talk about your book. So tell us about your book. Yeah. So my book is called Becoming Mindstrong, The Truth About Health, Fitness, and the BS That's Holding You Back. It is 70% mindset and then 30% about what we teach with macros. And the reason it's set up that way is because I could teach you everything you need to know about nutrition, about workouts. But if your mind is still replaying the old stories of, I have no willpower, I suck at this, who am I kidding thinking it's ever going to last? You're going to self-sabotage right back to homeostasis. That's human nature. So the 70% the of the first part of the book is all about actionable mindset tools. The end of each chapter has a section called put in the work where we, we learn to literally rewire our brain for habits that are aligned with this new lifestyle we're creating. Once we've got that locked in, then we move on to the logistics and it teaches you how to get started with, it's really a dip your toe into the world of macros. You know, one of the biggest things I struggled with writing a book is how do I teach something so personal to thousands and thousands of people? Yeah. And the method in the book is a really good way to, to get some momentum with the world of macros. I love it. And I have another question about that and about relating to your book. So I, I have heard a lot of people say that they lose weight, but when they look in the mirror, they still see that bigger version of themselves. So yep. they go shopping, they go still go to sizes that are too big for them. They can't wrap their head around it. Is that addressed in your book or is that something we could talk about here? For sure. Yeah. Quick. We talk about the power of labels and every, so I'm a not so secret neuroscience nerd. I find the human brain so fascinating because everything we do in life is a result of how our brain is wired right now. And um, let me give you a 10 second neuroscience lesson and then I'll answer your question directly. So anytime you think a new thought or do a new action inside your brain, a neural connection is formed. When you repeat that thought or action, so if I'm learning the violin and I learn the note C sharp, every time I play that note, this stuff called myelin acts like cement and coats that neural connection. The same thing is true when I think a thought. So if I think, oh, my body's so terrible, how did I let myself get like this? Uh, most of us have thought that thought on repeat so many times that myelin has coated it so intensely that we don't even consciously realize we're thinking of it. Just like you wake up and brush your teeth without thought, we pass a mirror and that thought flashes through our head because it's wired in. So what happens, and this is not a once in a while thing, this is the majority of women that, that we work with that exist in the world, is we have spent decades upon decades carrying labels such as, I'm just the big sibling. You know, the nicknames people come to us with from their childhood are just gut-wrenching. But after decades upon decades of associating this, their brain is wired for that to believe to be capital T truth. So when we talk about mindset work and habit training, we always say like, this isn't rainbows and glitter and unicorn, right? We're not here to stand in front of the mirror and recite mantras. We're here to undo literal wirings in our brain and create new ones. And that's the work we do in the book is there's exercises about getting all that down on paper which is, is brain dumping and doesn't feel good at times, but we need to pull out what's actually going on and then do the conscious work to build the neural connections that better serve us. Ah, uh, so, okay, people get the book, the link, <laughs> the link to the book is in the show notes. So while you're listening right now, just click the show notes, hit the link, order your book and come back to listen to the rest of this amazing <laughs> episode. It. So, and Rachel, I'm so excited to talk about your free five-day challenge that starts today. Oh my, oh gosh. my gosh. I know. Talk about timing, right? So let's tell them what it's about, what, why they need to be a part of this. I mean, gosh, it's free. It's only five <laughs> days. I mean, tell them everything they need to know about this challenge. The timing that you guys are hearing this right as it's opening, this only opens every 14 weeks. So the fact that you caught it right now is, is absolutely meant to be. So every 14 weeks, we do a five-day challenge called Kickstart. And, you know, to, to give you a little bit of backstory, when I started my company, I struggled with the idea of doing a challenge because if, most of us have done them, right? You see an ad on Facebook, 
And one of two things happens. One, it's 20 minutes of content followed by four days of a sales pitch. <laughs> or two, it's like a five-day ab challenge where you do some ab exercises for five days. Then the challenge ends and you're like, cool, nothing's happened except my abs are sore. <laughs> so I really sat with what, how can I serve the most in five days? And it, the answer became so obvious because of how I, my own label on myself, you know, I, I am not a personal trainer. I'm an educator. So the answer became in five days, man, I can teach you everything you need to know to make this a sustainable lifestyle. So we designed kickstart where every day, Monday through Friday, we're live for 60 to 90 minutes and we go deep. We take, pick a topic a day. We dispel the BS in the industry. And I teach you what we call capital T truth. So day one is a, much more of what we talked about today. Nutrition truth, how to literally never diet again. Day two, I love day two because we pull, you know, Wizard of Oz, they pull back the curtain and see, you know, the truth yes, back there. Yes. That's what we do in the diet industry. We go through shake systems, point systems, low carb. I show you exactly why it's not designed to work. We talk about what supplements you need or don't need. We talk about meal prep. Day three is my favorite because that's the mindset work. We talk about how to train that inner monologue to be your best coach instead of a raging jerk like it is for most of us. <laughs> and we talk about how to wire our brains as, as we were just discussing. Day four is everything workouts, whether you've never worked out a day in your life, um, whether you work out at home or in the gym or just getting going or want to level up. And then day five is emotional eating and your personalized action plan. So it is, I have never to this day found, <laughs> found a coach giving this much information for free. Um, and I just, it is my favorite week of the year because the, the amount of light bulb moments we get to experience you, the feedback we hear from Kickstart is just, I, I cannot fathom that I just got, my life was just changed and I didn't pay a dime for it. And that just lights me up. I love that. Okay, guys, the link is in the show notes. Run like you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hit that button and get in there for that five-day challenge. Do, is there replays available? So if someone were to get in like after it already happened on day one, that they could still be able to catch up? For sure. So the group stays open for two weeks. So if you do miss a day, the replay will be posted in the group. And as long as you register for the event, it's emailed out to you for, for each night. So you have two weeks to really inundate yourself with everything. Rachel, this is awesome. Thank <laughs> you my so favorite. I love much. It. I, love it. <laughs> I, I know I'm excited about it too. I'm totally going to check it out. And let's tell them about your podcast, because I know you're broadcasting some of this amazingness out to your followers. Let's share that with our followers. Yeah, for sure. So my, my podcast has the same name as the book. It's called Becoming Mind Strong. Um, and it is everything we teach in the book, just obviously broken up into smaller segments. So on the podcast, we talk about nutrition. We talk about workouts. We talk about mindset. We even get sometimes, you know, I'll take suggestions from people what they want to hear. So last season we did a um, gym etiquette 101. People wanted to feel more comfortable in the gym. So I taught them some quick hits, do's and don'ts. And it's just, I, my podcast is my baby. My book and my podcast are my baby. I love being able to dispel information in a really succinct here's what you need to know kind of way. You know, it's not a, it's not a 90 minute workshop. It's 25 minutes of here's what you need to know about how to never diet again. So a lot of people find us through, through the podcast, Becoming Mind Strong. I love that. That's awesome. Again, guys, the link is in the show notes and then your Facebook group. So you have a community that you've built uh, that is following you. So tell us how we can get involved in that. What do you do there? What's happening? Oh, our Facebook group is our family. We call it the MindStrong fam because that is, I'll tell you a quick story that last year, you know, my business is all online. So we have clients in London and Saudi Arabia and New York. And some of these women I've known for three, four years, but my brain can't understand how I've never met them in person. <laughs> so last year, one of my former clients hosted a women's wellness retreat. And so many of us went and being able to hug these women that have become my family and I've never met in person was just the be all end all. So the group is called Mind Strong Women. Um, and it is just such a supportive community because one of the things you'll learn about macros, and we'll talk about this in the free five-day challenge, you learn to speak a new language, right? Nobody else in your life is playing this game of Tetris and getting out a yes. diet culture. And when we first started, our coaching was one-to-one. -one. It wasn't the group format it was. And the biggest feedback we heard from people was, this stuff is changing my life. 
but it feels lonely because, you know, I want to shout from the rooftops, but I don't have anyone else who understands what I'm doing. So having that community is just a game changer for all of us. The support, the love, the accountability, it's, it is just a wonderful place to hang out. Amazing. Oh my gosh. This has been so great. Rachel, tell our listeners where they can find you. Absolutely. So our main website is www.mindstrongfitness.com. And then as, as you mentioned, the link to the five day challenge, the book and the podcast will, will be in the, the show notes where you can find us as well. Absolutely. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for being with us. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. You know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce female entrepreneurs. We are going to spotlight them and share their expert zone of genius. And you have done that so well today. Oh. I can't thank you enough. I mean, you just really gave a ton of information in a really short time. And I know it's going to make such a huge impact in our community as well as others. But we're not done. <laughs> Just as you said about the Wizard of Oz and how we pull back the curtain, we are about to pull back the Rachel curtain because we find that women are constantly comparing themselves. You, I know you know this from the work that you do. That is just one of the biggest uh, defeaters in, in, the, in the mission. And so what we love to do is spotlight your success, but also share the authentic journey that you took, the price you paid. You know, Rachel, everyone wants to be successful like you, but they're not all willing to pay the price that you had to pay along the way. And so we're going to pull the curtain back right now and we're going to share the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Rachel Fryman journey. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. I feel like I'm in the hot seat. I'm ready. You are in the hot seat. <laughs> yes, this is where we really get to help the entrepreneurs out there because, you know, you make it look easy, right? They have no idea who that other Rachel was that started, 
But when they look at you, they think they can't do it. They wonder what's wrong with them because they don't have what you have. They think you're lucky, right? They don't understand. So this is where we get to tell them the truth and encourage them. Let's go. All right. Tell us a story about the good. The good. Um, the, The best part of all this is the reward on the other side of it. Entrepreneurship is maybe the scariest thing you can do in life, right? You are pulling out all the security stops. You are, you are doing the deep self-reflection and the deep work. And it is hard, right? We all go through the periods of, wouldn't it be easier if I just X, Y, and Z? But the feeling of just stepping into your power, of, of looking back on the days of working on someone else's schedule, of relying on someone else for a paycheck, what well, it is not hyperbole when I say I wake up every single day and I cannot wait to start work because it's not work. It's just like, how, who am I going to help today? Who am I going to get to chat with and meet today? Right. Like it is literally living my passion. And, you know, as we'll talk about in in the the bad and the ugly, that's not an easy place to get to, which is why most people don't, because the path there is a hot old mess. But when you do it and you continue to do it, because it's not one and done. But the other side of it is there is nothing in life that compares to being able to live on your terms and literally live your dream. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And it is such a wild feeling, isn't it? Like so free. It's like, pinch me, pinch me. (laughs) This is what's actually happening. (laughs) Right? It is a pinch me moment for sure. You look around like, oh my gosh, this was my dream and now it's my reality. And it it can happen for everyone. And that's why we love to tell the stories. Uh, So let's go to the bad. So we'll save the ugly for last, but let's tell them a story about the bad part of the journey. Yeah, the the bad is unavoidable. And I'm one of the most optimistic people you will meet. So that is me being very realistic about this. You know, some of the most important work that that entrepreneurs can do is redefining their definition of failure. Because when you start a business, you are going to fall on your butt way more times than you succeed in the in the beginning. And if I could like, you know, in Harry Potter where they pull out the memories and show it to people, <laughs> when I meet, we work with a lot of, we train coaches in our methods. So when I meet coaches who are just starting out and they start beating themselves up and saying, this is never going to work. I wish I could pull out my memories and show them of how many times we would do a launch. And a launch is just weeks and months of buildup and planning and spending money and, and getting all your hopes and dreams up. And then you launch and it's crickets. And the, the le- you can't even put into words how deflating that feels, right? You start to question, am I, can I really do this? Who am I kidding? Nobody's listening. What am I doing wrong? Did I make a mistake? And it's not just like that happens once and you learn the lesson and goes on. Like that was the first two years of my business was hype, 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 fall on my butt, hype, 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 fall on my butt. And th- there was for us, there was a tipping point where things started to go in the other direction. But if you don't do that work around redefining failure, you're going to be out the first time something quote unquote fails. We need to do the work to understand failure is just data, right? What went well? What what didn't go according to plan? How do I dig in and how do I rewrite? And that's easy to look back and preach now. But in the beginning stages, when I was living that failure, man, that did not feel good. That was those were some bad times. (laughs) Yeah, you know, and so many entrepreneurs uh, go through that. And I think the thing is we have to remember is nobody remembers the the guy who quit. And like you said, you know, a lot of people give up on that first try and they never get there. And then they start making those excuses. Right. Yeah. And And people don't see it because you didn't have a reputation. Right. People look at my business and say, wow, it's so successful because nobody knew me when I was falling (laughs) on my butt all those times. (laughs) Right. And they never would have had you not gotten back up. And that's really the theme of our podcast. So let's pause for a minute and let's share a little bit about what you did to keep yourself getting back up? Like what was, I know you're going to say mindset. (laughs) I know you're coming at me, Rachel, but let's tell them like when that happens, because it's going to happen, just expect it. But what, what was it that you were able to do to get yourself back up and keep moving forward each time that that happened to you? Yeah, there, there was a lot of, uh, for me, I was born into a very logical family. Everything was black, white, yes, no. So feelings weren't a big topic of conversation. So a lot of my personal work as I've gotten older has been around 
not suppressing, of letting the feelings out. And that became, when we talk about being entrepreneur makes you do the work. That's where my work was, that when something didn't go as planned, you know, old Rachel would have head down, let's get right back to it. So what actually helped me, this sounds kind of counterintuitive, right? Because you would hear that and think, no, like, let's not feel the bad stuff. Let's get back to work. But pausing and saying, you know what, like, that felt like garbage. That was such a letdown. Like maybe there's some crying involved. Maybe, you know, maybe I went to the gym, maybe I ate some Ben and Jerry's, whatever I needed to do to let the feelings of disappointment out and be real about it and not sugarcoat it. And then give myself a choice, just like we talk about with nutrition. Cool. You have a choice right now. Do you want to stay in that state for the next two weeks and then go back to your teaching job, knowing you're not going to be fully fulfilled or Do you want to look at this a little bit more logically now? Let's see what went really well. Let's see what didn't work and understand that this is just a step in the, in the path to where you're heading. And I think both of those parts become really important that we need to feel the feelings because that fuels us. I don't ever want to go back to that feeling. So I'm going to keep growing and the choice of, you don't have to do this. The world's not going to end. If you don't start a business, your family's not going to love you less, but I want this so badly that I'm done feeling those feelings now. And now it's time to get back to work. I love it. And you just get up, right? And no, go to work. Get up get and up do it again till the next time. <laughs> I love it. Next time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Now we have to tell them a story about the ugly. Oh, the ugly is a very easy one for me to define <laughs> because to this day, it was the hardest choice I've ever made in my life. Um, you know, when I say I was a teacher, there, there's a stigma of teacher salaries that go with that. But I worked 12 hour days as a teacher. My school let us make these before and after school clubs. So I had a very cushy six figure job that I'd been doing for years and years. I loved my students. They loved me. They were family. I made a really good living. I had a lifestyle I was accustomed to. And it became an energetic thing. It wasn't even just about time. It was that half my day I was wearing my teacher hat. Then I would come home, decompress, try to put on my coaching hat. And it just, it wasn't all of me. I knew I wasn't putting into my business what it needed to get to that next level. Now, the catch 22 is my business was making like 20, 30 grand a year. And that's not my take home. That's the business (laughs) amount. So it was this thing where what my business needed was all of me, but my business did not have enough to support me doing all of me, giving all of me. So I found myself, you know, I always relate it back to to bungee jumping or skydiving where you do the mindset work. I had a business coach. I had a therapist. I had had done the work. And now I found myself, you know, you're going to go skydiving. They open the door to the plane and they say, okay, jump. It's like, screw you. I'm not jumping out of there. Like you can push me if you want, but I'm not jumping. Who does that? And that was where I was at. I, I had done all the preparation work, but now I was standing on the mountain saying leap leave your job, have that conversation, go do this, not really knowing how you're going to pay rent the next month, unless you're going to just start living off savings. And the day that I decided to make that leap was like, even just saying it out loud, I feel the wave of nausea of how scary it was. Um, And it was the ugliest, scariest, just grittiest, dirtiest moment. And the most important decision I've ever made in my life. Oh, unbelievable. And there are so many people right now after, you know, 2020, I should say, uh, that are at that place right now where they're like, they don't want to go back to work. The, the corporations are calling people back and there are women everywhere who are standing there and they need to jump. Yeah. So what is your best advice? Like, what was it that that came over you or what was the final draw that was like, Rachel, just do it? Like, what were you thinking? What can we give to them today? Yeah. It's, you know, just like we were talking about redefining failure as data, redefining fear. There's two things in life that I, that I truly believe level up your life. One is getting your nutrition in check because of the energetic part. And the second is redefining fear because the thing with fear is that number one, it's biologically biological. You can't avoid feeling fear. Whenever you do something that is new to your experiences, your brain goes and looks back and says, have we done this before? And if the answer is no, your brain associates that with your life being at risk. So what happens is fear sounds like logic, right? All the the inner monologue was not about like, you're physically going to die if you do this. It was tapping into 
You know, what does it mean to not make a lot of money? What does it mean to not know where your paycheck's coming from? All of my deep rooted from childhood beliefs about status and ego and money and what it means and who I am in this world. And that's how fear shows up. It knows your deepest, darkest pressure points and it pushes on those bruises. But because it sounds like logic, most people hear that inner monologue and say, this is selfish. This is crazy. This is not responsible. And they go back right back to their comfort zone. So the single next to your nutrition, the most important work you can do, in my opinion, is redefining fear and understanding that one, you can't avoid it. And two, what fear actually is, is just a warning sign. It's just telling you that what you're about to do is brand new. And it might mean you need to slow down. It might need, mean you need to come up with a plan, but it is not logic. So our job is to identify it, to thank it right out. When I feel it now, I'll actually be like, oh, thanks for looking out. Good, good heads up that this is new. Then we put it in the passenger seat and say, okay, you did your job. You warned me. Now, even though I still feel you, I still know you're here. I'm going to keep going with this. And the only human beings on the face of the earth who live the life of their dreams, and I mean that wholeheartedly, are the people who are who learn the skill of going on despite the fear. The people who look back when they're 90 and say, I wish I had, I wish I had, there's one reason for that. And it's because every time fear crept in, they let it take the driver's seat. Oh my gosh, there is the mic drop right there. <laughs> right there, that was it. Oh my gosh, Rachel, this has been the most amazing conversation. Thank oh, you I love it. So I love much. that. I can do this all day. We could chat all day. I, I know, I'm like, I hate to end this. <laughs> Maybe we'll do another one soon. But yes, this has please. been amazing. I can't thank you enough for being here and for the work that you're doing in the world, how you're empowering women uh, from every angle, you know, not just about their bodies, but about their minds and the way they see themselves and the way they think and, you know, really summonsing them to be courageous, right? And to overcome those fears and the things that hold them back. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up, girl, get back up. Tell them, Rachel. Feel the feels and then keep going. <laughs> That's it. Get up and do it. You can do anything. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.